sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions. Um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. When we finally turn it over, make a beeline Yes, it is the Friday Football Podcast. Dave McIntyre in studio here in Dublin. Kevin Kilban, you're at home, you're on Skype. Good afternoon to you on this Friday. How are you today? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dave. Just watching the, the tennis, actually. Just watching the, uh, yeah, a bit of a change in the football. I'm watching the tennis, the Australian semi-final here, yeah. Yeah, we're recording this as uh, Dimitrov and Nadal are slugging it out in a fifth set. For the yeah. uh, the honour to face Roger Federer yeah. on Sunday morning, we, we won't we won't give our expertise on tennis day. We'll probably I leave played, that away. I played a lot of tennis as a youngster. I did. Did you? Yes, absolutely, I did. I can my, imagine you like a little whippet getting around the tennis court as well. Well, again, much like my footballing ability, an engine was really all I had to bring to the party. I yeah. had very little talent, but um, I tried to make yeah. up for it by getting around the court. My sister is a former Irish number one. Would you believe? Really? Yes. There, you know, she won several national championships at underage level. But uh, so she was the talented tennis player in our family. We digress. Football. <laughs> it's FA Cup fourth round weekend. I struggle to get motivated for this, just as I did to struggle to motivate myself ahead of FA Cup third round weekend. Where are you this weekend? Out of interest. Yeah, you sound like Kenny there. Um, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm at uh, Old Trafford actually. I'm I'm working for the BBC this weekend, so I'm doing. I'm in studio. I was due to be on commentary, um, but I've, I've been changed around now, so I'm going in studio alongside Phil Neville and Alan Shearer and Gary at the weekend. So that'll be good fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Man United Wigan. Phil getting a bit of stick on social media last night and today for his uh, Paul Pogba comments, saying that it would be such a brilliant experience for someone like Paul Pogba to win a trophy with Manchester United, and straight away people thinking. Well, he's talking about a guy that's played in European Championships, won three Scudettos with Juventus and played in a Champions League final. Does he really need the experience of winning a trophy with Manchester United? Well, I understand where he's coming from totally because, you know, to be fair, even Mourinho as well, Mourinho needs that experience of winning a trophy for Man United as well, regardless of what he's won and what he's achieved. It's it's about getting... I remember thinking what Brian Clough used to say years ago, you know, winning trophies breeds good habits and... That's probably what he's aiming at. I understand the stick he's probably going to get off the back of it, Phil, for, for those sort of comments. But I think it's the first that some would, some would maybe point to the fact that it's, it, it should be the first of many. But um, I understand where he's coming from, Dave. You, I think I think most people do understand. Yeah, what, no, what I think it's fair. It, it's it's slightly taken out of context. I don't think he means that you know to to build his own personality. Pogba needs yeah. to win a trophy. It's generally it, the fact that he might have won a trophy in his first season on the back of that massive transfer fee and the same thing for Mourinho. I'll get into the League Cup semi-finals in a moment, but yeah. if you're out in round three of the FA Cup, typically, what would you have been up to this weekend as a Premier League player? Well, as you know, Dave, I had limited success in the FA Cup. Yes. You know that very well. We have well. discussed um, that, that before. So, so the fourth round, um, it, it, sometimes, occasionally through my career, was a bit of a, um, a watch on TV over the weekend. Usually what would happen, it's a chance after the fixtures what um, a lot of the clubs have had, giving the lads a weekend off. So it's a chance maybe to get away with, with, with the wife, with the girlfriend or whoever it would be, and just to chill out for a weekend. Most teams would probably come in on the Friday, 
train early, get a maybe a hard running session done on the Friday morning, and it will be the Saturday Sunday off. And you know, managers get very few chances to actually give players a couple of days off during this spell. So I would imagine majority, not all. Oh well, I tell you what, Dave, I'm probably wrong in saying that now uh, because there's games Tuesday, so that won't always be mm. the case this weekend. But usually, if there'd be no midweek games, it'd be, it'd be two days off. So it would be Saturday Sunday off. Get a bit of time to chill out. Get a bit of time to relax. Recharge the batches, I suppose, as well. This week is slightly different with with there being the Premier League fixtures next Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday as it is. But I think looking at looking maybe a side of that, but that's how it would have been a majority of the time. Yeah. So with that in mind, and the fact that these games are coming up Tuesday and Wednesday, is there any Premier League manager out there that was beaten in round three that regrets in any way going out in the third round? Um. Probably not because I think I think they can get the, the chance to fully focus on these games, on these games coming up. I would imagine at the weekend, Dave, we know it's going to be the United, the Liverpools. These these sides are going to change the team. I can't see United playing the side that they played against Hull. I can't see the likes of Michael Carrick playing one or two of the older players probably in the side. But as as you're saying for, for regrets, there, I, I don't know. I just I I, I honestly feel that. There is the, there's a big chance for teams there to go and win a trophy, go go and go and win that cups, particularly the mid-table sides, the ones that are not going to get relegated that are safe. Just have a good crack at a cup and you know and see how it goes. We've seen it with Wigan. I mean, I'm doing Wigan at the weekend, but I was at the cup final in, in was it 2013? I think for nearly four years ago now. They win the cup, and I know it's gone horribly wrong for them since, but that was a huge day for Wigan in the history. The only the only uh, uh, trophy they've won in the history or the only top class uh, the top uh, trophy they've won in the history so to do that and um, and then go where they've gone fair enough but I just think it's a great chance Dave I just I even look at Southampton a, there's a huge amount of Wigan fans that would never trade a place in the Premier League in for what happened in 2013 that. I I know for a fact that a lot of a lot of the Wigan fans I, I spoke to I spoke to a lot of the fans pre and uh, and post uh, that FA Cup tie and they said they wouldn't change it some some I'm sure would I'm, I'm sure that the owners would change I'm sure that Dave Whelan while well, he was chairman and now uh, Dave Sharp I'm sure that those lads now would would trade it because of the finance we know that but a lot of the supporters and I grew up like say supporting North End so I know. What Wigan, Wigan only came into existence into the football league in the seventies, late seventies. So they've not been in the top flight or not been in in professional football for a long time as it is. Their, their success has been limited to second, third, the old fourth division, however it was. Yeah. That's where their success success has been. So to win the FA Cup would that would have been beyond the wildest dreams when when I was a kid growing up to, to think of Wigan winning the FA Cup. For them to do it, go on and do it. A lot of the supporters grew up with the club of maybe like have grown with the club from from third fourth division so that's to see them winning winning that FA Cup as you say I, I, I can't see them change it if I, I don't think they'd change anything even even though they went down to League One at one stage I don't think they'd have changed anything during that spell Obviously the season that they got promoted from the Championship to the Premier League would be incredibly memorable for them the fact that they stayed up in that first season would also be a huge memory but the subsequent campaigns where you're spending it around the basement of the Premier League constantly scrapping against relegation they're forgettable enough They'll never forget 2013 and that moment totally. when Watson thumps that header in. Ever, totally. Dave. And 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 I take your point before what you're saying to me. You know, I can't really get up for this third round, for the fourth round, or whatever it is when 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 we're talking about the FA Cups. But I, I, again, I I grew up supporting a side that was playing the, in the lower levels of English football. So I I constantly used to look for third round. I used to look to fourth round. So I'm, it's probably still in my mind when I'm when I'm going to games, even when I was playing probably in the FA Cup myself as well thinking about the times that 
playing against an FA Cup, uh, sorry, a Premier League uh, side or or first division side as it was when I was a kid in, the, in an FA Cup tie was big business. It was big for for the town, big for the people there. So, so you're saying for Wigan there, Wigan winning that, Wigan winning the trophy. It was, I I just think to them it's probably everything all rolled into one. You know, getting promoted to the Premier League was great for them and staying in the Premier League for such a long time was great for the club and great for the town. But that one moment, that one day, when you say Ben Watson scoring that goal, that is everything. That's the history of the club rolled into one there. That's the one big memory that the club has in its, in its entire history. So moving on a slightly similar scale, albeit maybe not as, as far down the divisions as Wigan, but Southampton, I want to talk about Liverpool in a bit of detail in a moment, but I mean, yeah. it's probably unfair on Southampton to start reviewing that two-legged tie with Liverpool and start with Liverpool being the story, because Southampton are a side, a club that haven't won a major trophy since 1976. They've been beaten in the League Cup final, the FA Cup final since then, but... They've kept that high-scoring Liverpool side out in yeah. three different games this season. They've got to the final without conceding a goal, and they beat Liverpool at Anfield the other night without Jose Font, who's been sold, and Virgil van Dijk, who's been injured. And it, it really is a serious achievement for Cloud Puel. Yeah, it's quite poignant as well, considering the amount of players that, that Southampton have sold to Liverpool over the last few years as well, that Southampton are the team that puts them out, isn't it? And it, it is a serious achievement. It is of the two legs, as you say. I think the first the first uh, game that they had at, at down at St Mary's was it was a top performance. It was a really good performance from them throughout, keeping Liverpool at bay. Yet they were still going forward themselves. Probably should have won that game by a more comfortable margin than the one nil um, suggest they did in that in that first game. But the second leg, as you say, keeping them out. I think they were disciplined. I think they sat in. Liverpool didn't really create an awful lot. There was a couple of chances for storage, but. To be fair to them, I thought it was just a good, solid performance. And they still carried a bit of a threat themselves when they were going forward and still create, created a few openings. And Liverpool were poor. Liverpool were poor at the weekend against Swansea when I was there, Dave. The, it's almost as if the, the season now is... Uh, is you, you wouldn't want to say finished, because it, I, I certainly think that from the Premier League's point of view, if they get beat against Chelsea Tuesday, I think it'd be finished. I think the 13-point the gap then will be too much for them. But certainly from... from uh, from the all-round perspective now, they're all they're all round, or overall throughout this season now. I, I can't see them. I can't see them. Um, I can't see them going on now, going on a run. The only success that they could get now, realistically, in my eyes, is in the in the FA Cup. So this is one trophy for the, for this season now that they've got to seriously target because they haven't done it, of course, in the first leg against uh, Plymouth. You know, the, the team that they selected. I think we might see a different side from Jurgen Klopp in this game because I think he's got to target it. Yeah, would there be a fear? that the season could easily unravel. They're not going to lose to Wolves yeah. tomorrow. They're almost certainly going to be in the fifth round of the FA Cup. But, I mean, you say if the gap gets to 13, if they don't win their next game, that it's unmanageable. A lot of people would say the 10-point gap right now is is probably enough to discount Liverpool from being a potential yeah. Premier League champion. But outside of them being involved as a realistic contender in the title race, they're only four points above fifth place. There is a chance the whole thing could unravel, isn't there? There is a chance, of course there is, and just looking at them, that's no wins in January, I think, except for the FA Cup win against um, against Plymouth. Yeah, it's one win so in it's, seven in, in their last uh, seven goal competitions. Yeah, it is, that's it, that's it, and it, they haven't won since City, is that right, Dave, in the league? Yeah. I think that's right, yeah. since the City game. You know, and you saw, you, we saw them beat City, and all of a sudden you're thinking, right, this, this could be, this could be on now, seriously, for them, and... Liverpool's Achilles heel over the last few years, it's not necessarily been against the top sides. Even this season, I still think it's the, it's the best record I think they've got against the top six sides. But it's it's playing against those sides like Swansea last weekend, Southampton midweek. They Burnley. can't seem to put these... Bournemouth. Burnley, yeah. Bournemouth. 
there you go. They can't put them to bed, Dave, can they? They can't finish these sides off. They're always giving they're always giving chances up. Swansea at the weekend were prime example of that as well. You say Bournemouth. Bournemouth opened them up at will towards the end of that game. They just fell apart. And you can never trust Liverpool just to go and win a game one nil, can you? Do you always fancy them? It's got to be two or three goals they have to score to go and win a game because of the of the goalkeeper, first of all, who you, you do feel as though you're going to get a chance against, whether that's Carrius or Mignolet. But defensively, they're so open and they don't ever go and, they don't ever go and fill me with confidence that they're just going to go and narrow up the back four and just be difficult to break down and difficult to get through. It's a continuation of wanting to go and open sides up and that's what that's what ultimately will cost them, you feel, this season. Yeah, the four of their next seven Premier League games, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal and Manchester City. I mean, it's an incredible run they're going to have to go on. How much credence do you put in the absence of Mane in terms of the the difficulties they've had with their form? Well, I think Coutinho, first of all, as well, when they, they, I think they did miss him originally. I think the create, from the creativity point of view, I think they were lacking a little bit. But now he's come back in. He doesn't look quite sharp yet. He's not up to speed yet. He's not been the same player he was early on this season. Then, of, of course, coupled with the fact is that Mane's out. Uh, they missed that penetration without him. They missed that real energy. Firmino's gone back to the middle as he was last weekend against Swansea, I thought it was it was his best performance in a while from from him. I know the two goals helped that, but overall, I think it was a, a really good performance from him. Sturridge, you're not you're not going to get that penetration out of Sturridge. You're not he's not going to be a player that's going to continuously work hard to get in behind defenders. He has got good movement. He's got great abilities. We know, but he, he, he's not he's not that that dynamic player that Manny is. And they have missed him. Yeah, they have. And I, again, coupled with the fact is that you've not got a firing Coutinho just yet after the injury. Liverpool have got problems going forward, whereas early on this season, the, the creativity, even the Lana playing from that deeper role, he was getting forward, getting in advanced positions. He's not been the same over the last few games as well. And I think that's maybe touching on the fact that you've, you said there with, with Mane. Mane's movement, dragging players out of position. The Lana was clever enough to go and go and get into those positions that, that, Mane, that Mane was vacating. And, and that's what they're missing. They're missing a little bit of movement up front now. And you know, go on the fact is defensively, yeah, they are quite poor defensively anyway. But first of all, I think in in, in the in the four positions, I think they're lacking. I think they are lacking, yeah. And for all for all that we were watching Liverpool this season at the start of the year, and we were thinking, yes, they're a side that's that seriously now they're going to go on, they're going to go and open sides up at will. They're going to they're going to be the real force this season and go and go the whole way. There were still nagging doubts in a lot of people's mind that defensively they couldn't maintain it. And that, that's, that has been the problem ultimately this season, yeah. You've talked many times this season, and you're not the only one by any stretch of the imagination, about your belief that the Liverpool eleven is an extremely potent one, but once you dig a little deeper into the squad, they just don't have it. Yeah. And you take Mane, Matip and Coutinho out of the squad, as has been the case for the last six weeks, or certainly a portion of the last six weeks, and their struggles have been there for everybody to see and maybe that just underlines the point that you and a lot of other pundits have been making about the strength and depth I think I think that's the case and you look at um, you look at Chelsea Dave you look at you look at Tottenham you look at a lot of the other clubs they do look like they've, they've got they've got better depth to the squad Man United of course is another one City of course and that is that is a thing when you're looking at Liverpool and you're seeing they've got a lot of youngsters on the bench. Now, these players may, may come good and they might be real good players in a few years' time, but ultimately, they haven't got, they haven't had, been able to have a strong bench. Moreno, uh, Lucas Leiva, these lads have been on the bench for them. These aren't lads that's going to come on and, and change a game for them. They might be able to go and see a game through. They might be able to go and maybe make it a bit more solid, particularly Leiva, uh, Lucas, but 
you know, Moreno, he's not. A, he, he, he can't even get a play. He can't even get a place in in the side. Moreno, when you've, you've not, you've got a, an unnatural uh, left back playing in, in position in Milner playing there. He can't. He can't get a game in his position when you don't have another left back in the squad. And an eighteen-year-old on the other flank. Yeah, exactly. Woodburn's the one that's come on. That you know, the big talk of him. He, he he could progress and he might progress into a really good player, but still lacking any sort of experience. Origi is another one. He's He's a player that you see him sometimes Origi, and he gives you loads with his energy, with his movement. But the, the game the other night as well, Kenny touched on it before the game. Well, Kenny uh, before the game the other night, Kenny Cunningham was saying, yeah, he understands. He was spot on, really, saying why he knows he played Sturridge in that game because he knows that Southampton were going to sit in, they were going to try and contain Liverpool. Origi is a player that needs to play against a, a side that's maybe gone and pressing Liverpool that you can use his pace in behind sides, and. I don't see Liverpool having game changes really that's going to come on and it's going to really change matches for them uh, off the bench. That's the one That's the one place they're seriously lacking, so they need reinforcements. OK, <clears throat> that's semi-final number one. Manchester United went through last night, losing 2-1 away to Hull. Um, this is Jose Mourinho's 28-second interview at Sky after the game. I just want to say congratulations to my players because uh, it was a difficult, uh, difficult road to be in the final. And we are in the final. I don't want to say anything else because uh, it's enough. I'm calm. I behaved on the bench. No send-off, no punishment, so no more words. Very quick from Jose there. Kev, It's yeah. um, he's always sending a message, isn't he? And even his talk with the other broadcasters last night where he's saying, no, he only saw two goals as far as he's concerned. Manchester United's unbeaten run is now 18 games and not 17 because clearly he has no faith in the referee uh, Moss's decision to give the penalty to Hull. Um, yeah. I, I, we've come to expect this from Jose after defeats? Yes, we have. We have. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, mess, the hidden messages constantly with, with Marino, isn't it? He's come out, he's congratulated his players as well, hasn't he? So... I think he's just got to be happy that he saw the game through in the end because they were under a little bit of pressure towards the end of that game. And it wasn't a vintage performance. United weren't great, got the job done, I think, in the end. And that's it was it was very much a Mourinho performance, I think. You know, they didn't go and... I, I thought with the team he put out the other night, when he's got Rashford playing, when he's got Ibrahimovic with Pogba, I thought, good attacking line-up this. And I think it was Andy Hinchcliffe that was in commentary saying at the start... This is a side that he expects to go and win the game, not necessarily going to going to contain, just go and see the game through. But it certainly felt like that during the game. Liverpool, uh, sorry, United were hanging on. They weren't they weren't overly um, elaborate when they were going forward. They weren't great on the on the attack themselves. So it wasn't a, it wasn't great. But they got the job done. That's all that's expected of them. So through to, through the final, and it's something that you say with Phil Neville. We're talking about Phil earlier on. It's it's a chance for Marino to get his first trophy, get up and running, because. United haven't been haven't been great at getting to you know winning trophies over the last few years. Of course, Van Gaal winning winning the FA Cup last year, and it's a chance to build on that success now and get more more uh, more trophy wearing and more silverware. Should I say that's that's what it's all about. On the back of that run of nine consecutive wins, that's now no wins in three. They've conceded in all three of those. They've gone behind first in all three of those games. Yeah. Should United fans now be starting to worry that maybe that really positive spell of form that they've been putting together and that 17-match unbeaten run is now starting to actually fade away? Well, I, I watched I watched a lot of the second half against Stoke last weekend, and United were 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 trying. They were they were they were really pressing uh, a lot of buttons. They were trying to open up Stoke, but Stoke were were reasonably comfortable. I felt throughout. I don't think it was a great performance against Liverpool the game prior to that one as well, but. They're the big games that's fine margins in those. 
but the Stoke one maybe just just suggested to me that they're not they haven't they're not quite firing. Even say going into this home game of the night as well, not quite firing, Dave. Not quite at it like they were three or four weeks ago. Even the games that we spoke so openly about that they were drawing early on this season, they weren't able to uh, they weren't able to finish sides off when they were right on top in games. So maybe slightly a slight worry, I suppose. But it's only a slight worry at this stage. I think they can they can change the team around for the Wigan match. They can they can then look forward then to, of course to the cup final. But beyond that, they've got big games against Hull and, and Leicester, I think it is, the next yeah, two after very, that. On paper, at least, they've got a very appealing-looking set of fixtures over the next five games. I guess they could get back in the winning trail and put another run together. Who, yeah, who, who, they, who they got? I think it was Hull-Leicester. I'm, I'm not too sure who they got beyond that, though, Dave. But you yeah, they, the, the, their sixth Premier League game from now is Chelsea. So they are in a position where they can pick up They would what they would hope to be uh, 15 points. I think Stoke is included in that run as well. So the next four games, they are all winnable before they get to Chelsea. And it starts with Hull, then Leicester over the next two weeks. We've got the Leicester game live and off the ball next Sunday afternoon. His treatment of Martial, it's kind of worked already with Henrik Mkhitaryan in, in some ways this season. He's been left out of the matchday squad for the last two games. He yeah. will start against Wolves on Sunday, we're hearing from Mourinho. And he has said if he shoots the lights out in that game, he will start against Hull during the week. Um, what are your thoughts on how he's treating Martial, who's a player who's an awful lot younger and far more inexperienced than Mkhitaryan? Yes, to deal with that as well. You're right. Mkhitaryan said all the right things, didn't he, coming back in? He said, look, I just wanted to knuckle down. I wanted to work hard, impress the manager. Probably everything that a manager would want him to say, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's a different one. He, he, you know, As you say, they're a younger lad. A lot, a lot uh, less experienced than Mkhitaryan. He's not necessarily had this sort of spell through his career before. Everything's gone really well for him. I, I always think back, given to, to myself, Dave, when when I was coming through, I, it, it seemed to go very, very quickly in an upward in an upward uh, curve for me, upward spiral. But you know, making me me league debut at Preston when I was eighteen, moving to West Brom at twenty, making me international debut at twenty. Everything went very quickly up to about twenty twenty one and. Once I then moved to to Sunderland, it was almost like reality hit. It was it was, and I know that Martial is you know he's he's played a lot higher standard at a younger age than I was. But there is realisms. I think when you're a young boy, when when the the something just changes in your career, changes in the course. It's not necessarily as easy as it was. Players have have uh, start to obviously take a, a lot closer notice of him as well, starting to mark mark him a lot tighter, double marking him, all these sort of things. While well, he's had to take into account on the pitch, but off it. That's when you've got to maybe continue the things that you have done that's got you to that level and go beyond it. You've got to try and find different ways to get the best out of your own career. So he is having that difficult spell, and it's something that he's going to have to learn quickly to come to terms with Mourinho as a manager. Mourinho, he knows full well that he's got, as we spoke before, with Liverpool lacking in, the, in, in a, a, the depth of the squad. Mourinho's got a huge squad. So if Martial, if Martial's not having a great time and having a bad spell, he can take him out and put Rashford in. He can take him out and put Rooney in that position. Matter, Mkhitaryan. He's got three or four others who can go and fill in that role. That's what you expect from United. So it's up to him to show a little bit of balls, really. And that's the way it's got to be. And you've got to try and maybe find different ways to, to progress in your own career because it's, it, it's not easy. I'll take that totally with him. It's not easy, and you've got to, he's got to maybe do things a little bit differently. Well, look, it's interesting to see how he reacts to this, isn't it? And if he's going to prove to be that world-class player, well, he'll have to come through this little sticky patch. I want to mention Hull as well, because like the other semi-final, Southampton were due their credit, and Hull have 
they are a transformed team. I saw them at Stamford Bridge on Sunday, Kev, at Chelsea. They yeah. were denied a stonewall penalty at 1-0 down, and that would yeah. have brought them level with a quarter of an hour left in the game. They've won three home games in a row now, and Marco Silva seems to have made an instant impact. He does, and he's got uh, he's had David Myler. I think he played. He was playing at right back last night. He was night playing as well, right last night. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked good, and you know what? I think as a side, you know, David Myler is not going to be the player that would be bombing up and down the line. You know, when you when I always found as well, playing out of position a little bit, you try and play to the position, not necessarily within yourself, but you play to the position and just try to do the basics right. I think he, I think he can do that brilliantly, David Myler. So if he can sit in an, as a tight back four, keep Hull solid. Hull have got a good chance. You see, they've got as good a chance as, as any of the sides around them anyway. They've got to try and stick with the Boroughs and I mean, I can't see Leicester falling into it, but they've got to try and stick with those sides above them, all the, all those teams around them. But I was with you as well at the weekend. I watched the game last week and I thought they played well. I thought they caused Chelsea problems. Should have had a pen, as you say. They looked like a confident uh, team. Harry Maguire at the back looked like he was... Um, and Paolo Maldini bringing the ball out from the back at times. Yeah. Tom Huddleston looks like he's playing with a real degree of confidence as well. Abel Hernandez has got a couple of goals. And he just seems to have lifted the entire atmosphere around the club, which I guess brings me on to the next point. Snodgrass is going to sign almost certainly today for West Ham. It does yeah. look like Abel Hernandez is going to be sold as well, if the rumours are to be believed. And we know that they've already lost Jake Livermore, arguably the three most talented players in the squad. He's potentially losing them all. What's going on there? They're only two points from safety. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So you think sometimes when you are getting rid of your better players, you, the, the club's almost giving up. But the the, the club hasn't backed um, Mike Phelan or, or Steve Bruce prior to prior to uh, Silver going in the in the transfer market. Now all of a sudden they've they've got in Markovic. Let's see how Markovic goes. Let's see if he's the player that, that Liverpool uh, paid all this money for a few years ago. He has signed one or two. As you, I mean, as you say, the lads that's like Harry Maguire that's starting to progress this season. Sam Clucas is another one that mm. I really like. He's a player that I think can get better and better as well. Nias is a, is a player who looked good last night, didn't he? He, he was terribly poor, poor during his spell at Everton. So he's been able to manoeuvre a few in the transfer market. If, he, if, if Snodgrass or when Snodgrass does go, he's got to get someone in to replace his goals and creativity because is he going to make Hull solid? Is he going to say, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to be difficult to beat they're still going to carry a threat and Snodgrass was that threat so who can they get in to replace him that's going to be the creative spark in the side yeah, I think Evandro is the guy he has in his mind maybe to play that role and he's worked with him before and he played pretty well in his first start at Sanford Bridge and came off the bench yeah. last night that sort of Brazilian playmaker type of a player and he's got Maloney as well Maloney's a player that can give you that bit of unpredictability as well isn't he so he does have that but Snodgrass was certainly a bit more dynamic than, than Maloney so it's uh, it's an interesting one here, Dave, to see with Hull. I even think with Sunderland as well, Dave, it's almost like Sunderland have given up, the club's given up, not necessarily with the players or David Moyes, but the club's not giving any back into him. They, he, wants to set, he wants to sign, apparently, the Robbie Bradys and one or two other players within within the within the structure of the wages and the, the finances of the club, yet he's selling Patrick Van Arnold, yet he's selling one or two others. Now, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. We'll, we'll get to the end of this window and let's see if Defoe does actually stay till the end of the window because I'm sure that there'll be there'll be another bid coming in for him before the before the window closes on Tuesday. Well, it's funny you so, mentioned Sunderland because I wanted to wrap it up with Sunderland and that news that Van Aanholt was going to go to Palace. I mean, he's arguably their best player behind Defoe and yeah. there was comments from David Moyes last week where he said, look, it doesn't really matter who we bring in, they're not going to make much difference. Yeah. That smacked of a manager that has either given up or wants to be sacked, or both? 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Dave. You can't you can't take those words any in any other way than than, than how he said them. Um, it, it says to me, I mean, knowing him, I know how he know how he's been since I was sixteen. So I know what sort of what sort of guy he is and how intense he is. He recognises at the club there's nothing there available to him money wise. And when he he desperately needed to bring in uh, players last summer, and he's having to sign Stephen Pienaar, who Stephen Pienaar's a very good player. He was a very good player four or five years ago. Was he, he brings duped, in Lescott. Kev? Was he yes, was he, so, was he sold he was, yeah. a false idea when he was being interviewed for the job? Yeah, I do. I probably think that I do. I, I think he was he was given assurances on signings, money that would be uh, made available to him, and they just haven't been able to 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 meet anything. They haven't been able to get any players in by by any level. You know, if you're looking, David, ten million is what, or twelve million, I think it is that Van Arnold's been sold for. It's not a lot of money in Premier League terms now. Oh, it's a fraction three of what four... they'll be getting if they stay in the division. Definitely, three or four signings at, at, at eight, ten million—they're not big deals to be to be going through nowadays. And and Hull and sorry, and Sunderland don't have that money. Hull haven't had that money as well. We're going back to to them as well. But the two of them—it's almost as if the club is saying, I "Tell you what, we'll sell our players. We're going to maximise everything we can get out of this out of the Premier League." And we're not bothered if we go down. And certainly that's the way it seems with Sunderland, definitely, yeah. Well, there's one thing I would say about Marco Silva. Losing all of these players, they're still only two points off uh, fourth bottom. Now, admittedly, they have Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal in their next three fixtures. But if he keeps them up, there's no way he's the whole manager next season. No, totally. And I think that's what he sees himself, Dave. He's seen this as maybe a chance to put myself, myself in the shop window. Let's do a good job here and let's see where it can take me. Because... It's it's always difficult. We, we've said it before. Hull have, Hull have took a big risk on bringing him in first of all because it's it's he's got no experience of, of, of the Premier League. He won't necessarily know his squad that he's got available to him. But he's made he's made big strides very quickly. So if he keeps them up, that is that is probably the greatest achievement or one of the greatest achievements that you'll that you'll see from any manager in the Premier League. You look at what Pulis has done over the last few years, Allardyce, all these managers that have kept sides up when they've when they've looked uh, doomed. If he does this, this would be one hell of a job because he's not had huge money to spend. He's had to tinker with the squad and sell sell some of his best players we've touched on. So if he can do that, it'll put him right in the shop window for one of the bigger jobs, definitely. Yeah, it'll be some achievements. Uh, we'll leave it there, Kev. Enjoy Old Trafford Sunday afternoon. And if I'm not talking to you before Monday, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Cheers, Dave. The big four zero. We'll chat to you next yeah. week. Nice one. All right. Well done, Dave. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Josh, like. What a stop! Josh from Ben! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make a beeline towards the boulder, have a drink, you've had enough. Fire it up, fire it up.